Let's learn a uh, an idea together in Bitachin. Rav Shamshir Fal Hirsch writes in his commentary on Chumash a pasuk in Shemais Lamed Dalid Pasuk Zayin. In the Yud Gimel Midas, it says that Kadosh Baruch Hu is Neitzer Chesed LaAlafim, which means that Hashem preserves the deeds of kindness. For a thousand, for thousands of generations, la'alafim. So he says that the word neitzer chesed. What is neitzer? It's a funny word. Neitzer chesed, preserve. But he also says that it means that it causes to blossom. Like there's a pasuk that says netzer matai masiyadeli spire that um, netzer mas. Um, Netzer Matai means like a, a blossom. And he explains that Hashem in His kindness allows an act of chesed, which we perform today, to become a seed that blossoms and brings forth salvation at a later time, when it is needed most, either for ourselves or for our descendants yet unborn, even thousands of generations from now. Sometimes we do a chesed, we do an act of chesed, whatever it might be. If you're, you know, you help somebody, uh, you bring somebody lunch when they're not feeling well in the dorm room, or you, uh, you're in Hatzala, you're in Chaverim, you're, I don't know, you give money to tzedakah, whatever it is, that, whatever type of chesed that you're doing for people. And you wonder sometimes, like, when am I going to get paid back for this? Like, when is Hashem going to pay me back? The answer is that Hashem is going to pay you back at the perfect time. It's not necessarily going to be for you. It might be in a thousand years from now. An act that you have done today will blossom just at a perfect... Maybe, I mean, you're not even thinking about children probably at this point in your life, right? Let alone grandchildren, let let alone great-grandchildren. That's like something that is so beyond, you know, something that we think about. But if you think about it, Mitzvah Hashem, you're going to have a great, 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 great grandchild someday. And uh, hopefully he'll be a Shem Retar Mitzvah, or she'll be a Shem Retar Mitzvah, Mitzvah Hashem. And it might be in the year 2053. And whatever that person is going through, whatever that descendant of yours is going through, they might need like something to come in and help them from a situation that they're in. They might need somebody to give them a loan if they need it or, or to give them, uh, to fix a flat tire for them or whatever. They're probably not going to be tires then, right? It's going to be probably <laughs> fix your uh, jet engine or, I don't know, crater in the moon. Like what? Right, maybe. But um, that was supposed to be by the year 2000. They were going to have flying cars, so. Uh, October 21st, 2015. That was when the first flying car was supposed to come? That's when Back to the Future. The episode of Back to the Future. They went to the future. That was 2015, right? Anyway, so, yeah, so when I was a kid, there used to be a a TV show called The Jetsons. Mm -hmm. So it was like a cartoon, and it was a futuristic cartoon. By the year 2000, it's funny because a lot of the things that they were... this, This was a show probably that was in 1970s, maybe, maybe early 80s, but I'd say probably the 70s, right? 
And a lot of the things that they were dreaming of, like futuristic, they are not the flying cars, but the cell phones and the uh, conveyor belts, whatever, things that when you were a kid was like, that can't be, that's not going to happen. Today it's like, stand, maybe the inventors probably watched the Jetsons and they, they're, you know... <laughs> exactly. But, um, but that's, uh, that's the way it is. So in the future, they're going to maybe need something and Hashem is going to come there and help them or arrange for them to be helped because you did something here and thousands of generations later, Hashem is going to make it come to fruition, to blossom. It's going to blossom just at the right time. Or forget about the future generations. That's like beyond our maybe scope. What about in our lifetime? Sometimes there's going to be something that happens in our very lifetime that a chesed is done for us, and we can't figure out, like, why did, you know, we deserve to have somebody, uh, you know, we, our car, chesed shalom, you know, had a flat tire in a row, and all of a sudden, like a minute later, some chesedim passed by and, and, and offered to fix the car and, you know, and, and get you back on the road in three minutes. What did I do to deserve that? You helped somebody a year or two ago, or maybe 10 years ago, you did a chesed with somebody, who keeps that in a special savings account, and when you're in, in need, that's when Hashem allows you to withdraw that chesed that, you're, that you've gotten. So that's the, this is the picture that I use. This is Rav Shantra Hirsch. And this is a um, picture that I use because I liked it because it's sort of like, you know, it has seeds that are like flying in the air and it, it'll, it'll, it'll produce other things, but somewhere that you might not even see them. Uh, you will, uh, you will be the beneficiary of it. That's Neitzar Ches And You know, it's also interesting, you know, that's true going forward, but it's also true going back. Like, we might not be able to envision what's in 2053, in 20, what did I say, what year did I say before? 2153? But we can, but, but let's say now we are beneficiaries of Chesed, of whatever sort. People, people are very nice to us, people are helping us when we're not, doing so well, we need uh, friends, we need some money, we need uh, something to eat, whatever, and, and people are there for us, that might be because we had a great-great-grandparent, you know, if you go back to the 1800s, that did a chesed, and, and we are the beneficiaries of, of, of an act of chesed that was done, you know, a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago. So it works, you know, we, don't, we would never figure, we think, oh, we're great, you know, we, you know, we must have tremendous chasim that we were able to, you know, have these great chasadim just happen to us, but the truth is we might not have anything to do with it. It might be chasavis, like we have, you know, a great-grandfather that did a good act, and because of that, it comes back to us. Those are dividends that accrue to us. Okay, um, uh, there's so many good ones. All right. There's a Hasidish Vart, Hasidish idea. There's a Pasuk in Halal from Tillam that we say, Hamanti. Kiadaber, which literally means I have kept faith, although I say, I kept, I kept the faith, Amuna, Kiadaber, although I say, 
whatever I say, but I still kept the faith. I might have said things that don't sound like I'm always so full of faith, but I, I kept the faith. So the Hasidic master of Mardukhai of Lechowitz, who lived from 1742 to 1810, he interprets this verse homiletically. What does anyone know what homiletically mean? It's a fancy word. What does it mean, homiletically? Okay, so homiletically means it doesn't, it's not the simple way of, there, there's, there's a simple translation. If you open up a, an art scroll, hollow or Tehillim, it'll say, by it'll say the way I defined it before, I have kept faith, although I say. Homiletics means that you're able to somehow have some poetic license when you're giving a drusha to like sort of mangle the pasig a little bit or to twist it a little bit to come away with a thought. And that's also, there's a, you know, a whole field of, of Torah called Hasidus that sort of does that. They have a Messiah for that. So this Hasidic Rebbe said as follows, Hamanti, I believe, my faith is strengthened, ki because I speak. Not although I speak, Sometimes key means because, and sometimes it means uh, although. He says, When I speak words of faith, when I tell over stories about Ashkach Pratis, when I tell over stories about how Hashem helped me in this case and Hashem helped me in that case, the more you speak, the more your amuna is strengthened. If let's say you go through a, an experience and you see the Yad Hashem, you see that Hashem's hand was guiding you. You just see it. Sometimes you know it's like a, it's too, it's impossible for that to be a coincidence. Of course, I can't remember any because the Yitzhara doesn't want me to remember any, but that's why I put in the back of this book um, a, uh, a lot of pages called Hashkacha Pratis Journal. You just basically can write a date and then you just write like things that happened to you. I just happened to uh, you know, be crossing the street and I, uh, you know, my yarmulke flew off and I didn't get hit by a bus, something like that. You know, so, or I did get hit by something. Whatever happens that, you know, that, that would be Ashkacha Pratis, um, that would be, um, you know, that was, so, the more I speak about those things, if let's say I come into this room and I say, guys, you're not going to believe this. You know, because I missed the bus, you know, that bus happened to have uh, gotten into a terrible accident and went off a cliff. I missed that bus by a minute. Boom, you know. So if I keep it to myself, it doesn't do much. If let's say every person that I see, I tell over the story. So what happens? My amuna and your amuna get strengthened. Because emuna works that way. The way that you fortify emuna, the way you strengthen your emuna, is by talking about it. Hemanti ki The more you talk about it, it doesn't have to be only stories that happen to you, only the stories that happen to you. It might be in general, like, wow, Hashem is so great. You know, look, he got the hostages back. Who would think? And it's true. Like, think about that for a second. Like, what, why would they release hostages? For what? You know, to stop the bombs for a couple of days? For that? This is like, this is the last thing that Hamas wants to do is give back hostages, I imagine, right? This was, that's their whole thing. And they don't like the Jews too much. Why would they want to have, you know, all of these hostages, Jewish hostages, just kill them? Like, why are you giving them back? All of a sudden, they're big tzaddikim. The answer is, it's a nace. It's mamash and nace nigla. You, you might be able to explain how there's a ceasefire and they're getting their own terrorism. They don't, they don't care about the ceasefire. They don't care about their own 
the prisoners that could care less about them. Trust me. I don't. The answer. So why are they giving back that? Because Hashem wanted it. It's it's a nice nigla. So if let's say we talk about that and we say Hashem is amazing, Hashem is actually getting hostages that were thought to be for sure dead, or or if they weren't dead, they were scarred for life, and they're coming out and they look okay. They look pretty. I'm sure they are scarred, but like they they look on the surface at least to be pretty healthy, you know, in decent shape. They don't seem to be like. I don't know, what do I know? But like from the, just from the videos of it, does, it seems like they, they seem to be okay. It's a miracle. If we speak about this, if we just speak trash and like talk about you know, how bad this is, how bad that is, we get nothing from it. But if we go and we talk about how great Hashem is and how I daven that the hostages would be free, and look, the hostages are free. They're being freed. I daven that, uh, you know, that... That, that, that such a person should have a refuah shlema, and look, the person had a refuah shlema. And I talk about that. If I talk about it, it's great for you, but it's, it's especially good for me. The more you talk about something, the more it gets pounded into your brain that there is a God in the world, God is good, everything is, he listens to our prayers, he's, he's amazing. And so the more that we speak, my amuna gets greater and greater, when I talk about when I talk about uh, matters of faith. I'll say ever one more thing from the Arizal. Arizal was of course one of the great Kabbalists, the great Mekubalim. And he once explained to his main disciple, the Arizal had a, had a main disciple, main student. His name was, anyone know? I don't expect you to know. It's a very, you know, it's not so commonly known. His name was Reb Chaim Vital. Reb Chaim Vital was the main student of, of the Arizal. If next week I come in and I ask you for a hundred bucks who the Arizal's main student was, you're going to say what? Good. Very good. Uh, so so he, he says as follows. He says, did it, ever want, did it ever bother you why it is that like we say, we want Mashiach now, right? We daven every day for Mashiach, 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 and every drasha ends, and Mashiach, right? Did you ever like think, like, why would Mashiach come now? If Mashiach didn't come in the time of, I don't know, Shmuel Anavi, and Mashiach didn't come in the time of the Rambam, and Mashiach didn't come in the time of Kiveger, and he didn't come in the time of Ramesha Feinstein. So little me is going to bring Mashiach and our generation when like with, with smartphones and with internet and with uh, Xboxes and with uh, who knows what. That's when Mashiach is going to come. Mashiach is going to come now. This is what he was waiting for. He's waiting for us. He didn't come a hundred years ago. He didn't come a thousand. He didn't come two thousand years ago. But he should come now. Did, ever, any, did that bother anybody ever? So it bothered the Arizal. The Arizal didn't live in Aradar, so whatever I'm saying is a million times truer today. But he lived from 1543 to 1620. It's going back quite a number of years, a few centuries, 400 centuries, four centuries rather. So anyone have any answer like why we could expect Mashiach in our time, whereas the the previous generations did not have did not get Mashiach, did not deserve Mashiach? It's cumulative. That's a good answer. 
maybe there's like it's like like building bricks, right? We're just like we we're adding one more brick, and I like that. That's very good. Any other like suggestions? Choice between it showing up during the best generation or the worst generation. I heard something like that. Yeah, that could be. So, but what? It, okay, so let's say we. All the generations in the middle, they don't really have a chance. Well, maybe they were the worst at their time. Right. Everything is relative. Best is relative. Worst is relative. But we're, we're also in a probably the hardest time period to do mitzvahs and Torah because there are so many distractions with the with the technology with just everything that's happening. More things are happening now in the world to keep your mind away from Torah mitzvahs than in previous times. So if we're able, if we're able to overcome the, the issue, overcome it and perform the mitzvahs in the Torah, we... Perfect. Very much okay, Zach nailed it. He nailed it. That's exactly what the Arizal said. This is the picture that I use. So he says like this, a mitzvah, a single mitzvah performed in our decadent, immoral times is equal to many big mitzvahs done in previous generations when the resistance of the Yitzhar was less fierce. Don't think that it was ever, there was never a Yitzhar, there was an Yitzhar back in the old days. There was, but it was, as you said, it was so much easier to do mitzvahs back then than it is today. And this is, he lived in the, he lived in the 1600s. You know, there wasn't internet, there wasn't movies, there wasn't television, there wasn't cable, there wasn't, you know, magazines and all this stuff as there are today. But even he was able to see that the resistance to, to doing mitzvahs in Tyra is much greater than it was always in current times than it was in previous times. So we don't, like, give ourselves enough credit. That's our problem. We, like, we look at ourselves as, eh, I'm a loser, I didn't do that, I don't dive in enough, I don't learn well, and we're like fetching. We have no idea how great we are. We have no idea like how much Hashem is proud of us. We don't think about that because we're always busy like looking at, at the glass half empty, like, oh, yeah, what am I not doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You're doing, I dive in three times a day and I try to learn as much as I can and I'm a good boy and I do I do mitzvahs and I do chesed and I Hashem every and in, in a day and age that there's so much resistance to doing this I always say maybe I should stop saying it but I always say like when I was when I was growing up as a kid they, there was no internet there was no email there was no there was no smartphones. There wasn't even flip phones. It was just... Uh, there was the Yitzhahara. Obviously, there was the Yitzhahara. There was TV. Um, we never had cable, really, Baruch Hashem, so that wasn't a Nisayan. But, like, but there were plenty of other Nisayanists. But if you, wanted to, if you wanted to do an Avera, you could do it, but it's just like a pain in the neck to do it. You, know, you had to like go out, and you had to like uh, travel and find... The, the, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't so simple. Today... And so then, it was a little bit easier. I'm, 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 you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about a gap between, you know, me and you is a gap of, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 years, okay? Which is, 
which is not, you know, it's, it's a long time, but it's not like, it's not centuries. But I'm telling you that when I was a kid, I'm not saying that I was an angel, I wasn't, but like, but I was able to learn, I was able to dab him because there wasn't, it wasn't that much resistance. There was a strong Yitzhar also, of course, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't so accessible 30 years ago. If you ask your parents, like, what was it like, you know, when you were growing up as a kid? It was like, it was, it was, there was a Yitzhar, of course, but it wasn't, it wasn't there. It wasn't like in front of your face. It wasn't on, the, on a desk. It wasn't in your pocket. It was there, you know, you, you thought about it. Da, da, da. But today... With what's out there, what's what in, in in everybody's pocket? If you know you have internet on your on your laptop, on your phone, on your on your watch, on your you know like, and you're still able to go daven, you're still able to learn a little bit, you're able to 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 do mitzvahs. It's a miracle. It's mamish a miracle. But you know, I I don't know how you guys do it. Like I'm always like amazed at your generation. Like as much as you think I'm like. You probably think that, like, if you're missing davening, I'm giving you dirty looks. I'm not. You know, I'm in awe of you guys. Like, you know, you guys are like, you're it. Like, you're, Hashem is so proud that you're able, with your, the smallest, the worst mitzvah that you do, might be the best mitzvah that the Rambam ever did. It sounds like, like heresy, what I just said, right? But that's the way it is. A, the Arizal says, a single mitzvah, an hour, decadent time, when things are, there, it's so hard to do a mitzvah, and yet you do it, is much better than, than something that was done in the times of the Rishayim, or the times of Ma'am where things were much easier, it was easier to do things. There weren't these crazy distractions. There weren't these crazy technologies that, you know, that pull our minds and our hearts away from Hashem. And so every little crumb that we do is not a crumb. It's huge. It's a, it's a mountain. It's Mount Everest. And with that, we can understand, this is what the Arizal is telling us, that it's, it's entirely possible that we can bring Mashiach, even though previous generations didn't, because everything that we're doing is, is worth billions of dollars. And the Rambam did something that was worth $100. When we do the same exact mitzvah, it's worth a million dollars because he didn't live in our times. If the Rambam would see us today and like what we're going through, he'd be like, wow, these people, they're, they're living in such times and they're able to still dive and they're able to put on tefillin every day. And so we could, we could bring Mashiach ourselves because that's how powerful the Torah, the mitzvahs that we do is. It's like, it's like every single word of Torah that we learn is worth trillions of dollars almost in this day and age, whereas in the past it was just worth whatever it was worth. And that's a, it's a very big physic for our times that don't think that your generation is much lower than your parents, your grandparents. It's a much greater generation to a certain degree because in spite of everything that we have, all the technologies and all the the eight Saharas, but we're still able to do it. The resistance is so great and that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves it and that's why it's so much more valuable than mitzvahs that were done uh, in previous diaries.